Win at Work and Life with Nikki Bush is the podcast where you and I explore what it means to win at both work and life. Today, we get to choose how to create a life of meaning and self-expression that includes both our work and life outside the office with our families. Please send through your comments, questions and topic suggestions to info at nickybush.com. Don't forget to share the Win at Work and Life podcast with your friends and colleagues to empower them to win at work and life too. In today's podcast, I'll be chatting to Dr. Bill Price, who is a master global executive coach who guides business leaders, their teams and ordinary people by helping them to better understand their natural talent and potential while achieving their personal and business best summits in their lifetime. I've known Bill for many years and he's been an inspirer and leader of many. So Bill, welcome to Win at Work and Life with Nikki Bush. Nikki Bush, thank you for the privilege and uh, hello to everyone who dares to listen and uh, love it because uh, everybody who's listening is definitely a person who's interested in personal development and wanting to become better. And they do know that uh, there is an answer to the looming question deep inside of us, there's got to be more. So Bill, today, in the context of COVID-19, there's got to be more. There's got to <laughs> be more. That's a great place to introduce this. And we want to have a discussion today about personal leadership in trying times. You've, you know, you're a coach, you deal with leaders all the time, uh, whether we are leading businesses, whether we're leading our families, we are all leading and right now, uh, so much is out of our control. So how do we give our energy direction and leadership? How do we keep our fear in check? And I think for me, there's a, I have a fascination with what happens to us when we have this warrior archetype that wants to be the provider and the protector, and suddenly we have all this autonomy taken away from us. So take it away, Bill. Well, as a warrior, I have felt that a lot has been taken away from me personally. Um, so uh, because I'm a person-to-person -person kind of a person, and because of the fact that my energy is around providing and uh, protecting and um, being the one that is um, there for um, and to stand alongside that in a way has um, changed for me because I now have got to do this via distance. I've now got to dial up, I've got to zoom, I've got to contact my family and my grandchildren, try and look at them in the eyes and really ask deep, meaningful questions to stay connected, although we sometimes have coffee morning meetings and they are chaotic because of the grandchildren that are always running around and I'm wanting to have serious moments now and they couldn't care less about, they're just happy that they're at home with coronavirus and climb trees and building tree houses and whatever. So coronavirus has brought a, a real challenge to us on the one hand, I've noticed that in the, in the language space, uh, two words kept on popping up, which we are starting to embrace. The one is compulsory and the other one is mandatory. Um, and we're starting to become very accepting of these words. Uh, our democracy is being touched and played around with. We're not allowed to do this, not allowed to do that. Um, 
there's uh, the fear of getting fines if you're not wearing a mask and if you're not doing things the right way and keeping distances. So there's, there's consequences and they're very real. Um, but the, the, on the one hand, the coronavirus is real within itself. And on the other hand, we're hearing that it's um, not worse than the normal flu. Um, and yet we've got Bill Gates and the World Health Organization and everybody else uh, jumping the gun and trying to tell everybody that it is so bad. And you've got another set of scientists who are equally educated telling us it's not as bad. So here we are as um, scientists looking at our world, sitting at home, drinking the last bit of wine that we have and going, um, well, there goes that bit of joy. Um, when the last sip is gone, now I have to go back to coffee and be high. Um, so it is interesting to watch how my, um, yeah, my warrior archetype being challenged by the, the whole coronavirus and what I'm allowed to do and what I'm not allowed to do frustrates me a lot um, because I wish I could, I somehow think that um, if I can get out there and provide more and providing means I must go knocking on doors and seeing people and offering solutions but now I'm having to do it via the internet or I'm having to do it via an email, which I hate because uh, I, I like to see people. I'm a, I'm a people's person. So I'd rather like to connect auditory on the phone um, so I can pick up a whole lot of other things other than just the dead email. Mm. So I'm so, being challenged with the mode of communication as well. So we're not getting the visual cues and the energetic cues that we would get from face-to-face yeah. -face communication. So how are you advising your clients uh, who are leading teams at this time uh, to, to lead well under this kind of duress and pressure where they have, in essence, been disempowered to a large degree? But we need to pull back... Um, we need to pull, pull our power back. How do we empower ourselves again over this time? How do we harness that energy again and lead with, um, with humility, but also with some kind of oomph, so to speak? Yeah. Well, the leaders that I'm, I'm coaching, so I've just finished uh, prior to our uh, engagement, um, my seventh CEO today, um, and they're facing some very, very interesting challenges. The one CEO was telling me about the fact that um, his team are now going to kind of uh, re-engage and they're now about to re-enter the atmosphere of work, which is totally different. Um, and he's had to learn to unlearn when it comes to communication, if I can remember his words correctly. So his words to me were, Bill, I'm, uh, I'm an MBA, I've uh, chartered accountant qualifications, I've been in this business for 15 to 17 years, I've, you know, I'm a CEO, I actually could feel cool by saying I don't need help, I can kind of handle it on my own. But because he's been coached for the past two and a half years, realizes that the value that coaching brings to him is the fact that there's insight and there's perspective and um, there is challenge 
there's mirroring, there's bouncing off thoughts, which he doesn't have with his ex-co team because his ex-co team are looking to him for all the answers and all the solutions. So he doesn't dare to kind of open himself up and be a little bit transparent. Hey guys, I don't know. I'm not too sure. Um, so leaders are learning to have to communicate authentically with their, with their inner emotions um, and to be real with it and to how far you go with that is debatable uh, because you don't want to come across as a leader who is like given up and doesn't know and uh, almost like helpless, hopeless. Um, and then the leader says to me, I've, I've got to learn how to look at people's eyes on, on Zoom again. I've got to be able to um, look into the microphone and uh, not microphone, the, the, the camera, um, rather than looking down at a piece of paper while I'm communicating. So there's a new take on communication for, for leaders, a new take on what I've got to be paying attention to because the brain um, has got seven brain languages uh, with which it collates information. And um, so I'm helping teams and leaders to understand that you've got to be aware that every person's brain has a communication preference based on those eight brain languages. So let me share what they, what they are. Um, so the first brain language is visual. So that picks up pictures. Um, so if you put up a slide with words, that's not visual, that's visible to the brain, but it's not visual. It's auditory to the brain. So if you put up a slide with seven words, then that's auditory to the brain. But if I put up a, a, a slide with a picture, that's visual or a diagram, that's visual. Then there's auditory and auditory has become very important um, because we are now starting to learn that there is kinesthetic meaning in words and there's emotional tone that's in words that we have to pick up. And leaders are starting to pick that up with their teams. So when a person says, no, I'm okay, or it's like a husband saying to his wife, so how are you? She says, no, I'm fine. Um, uh, it, it definitely isn't fine. So the tonality of words also come into it. Then another brain language is smell. Another brain language is taste. Um, and that also is around aesthetics, not just taste of food. And then there's touch, which is tactile. I can feel that it's hard, cold, uh, soft, and it's got to do with motor uh, qualities of the brain. And then there's kinesthetic. So kinesthetic is, um, it's when I'm touched with an emotion. So kinesthetics is when I'm in touch with my feelings in my body and I go with my gut, then I'm being kinesthetic. I'm feeling passionate, so I speak with passion. I am act with passion and I, I'm incoherent. I'm in uh, collaboration uh, with my kinesthetic. So it's more than just um, uh, an emotion. So we have kinesthetic centers in our body. So in so in my forehead, in my thyroid area, are little selections or collections of neurons, which are almost like a little mini subset of a brain. And so when you, if I had to ask you, where do you pick up stress physically? When you pick up stress, some people will say 
my mouth dries up or I feel it in between my shoulder blades. Others feel it on top of their shoulders. Others feel it um, in their heart or their solar plex. And, and so as a neuroscientist, we can also pick up where people kinesthetically feel things in their body that gives us signals that, you know, this is the kind of emotion that they're feeling because emotions go parallel to the, to the kinesthetic areas in our body. And Bill, right now, right now we are flooded with that uh, yeah, because we're under absolutely. stress, because uh, we are under threat and we are having to make massive adaptations and transitions. There's so much of what you've just described going on in our systems that it can either guide us with wisdom if we are prepared to listen, but also, uh, you know, not, not be overcome by it, but to process, to process it and learn from it. Or um, it could throw us completely out because we, we know that too much emotion and fear and panic gets in the way of our ability, our brain's ability to function and learn and process information um, easily because it, yeah. it, it like jams up the system. And I, from my conversations with many people and having been through loss and trauma and things myself, I, I have a, a keen radar for this. I can sense when it's happening to me and I can sense when I'm shutting down. And I think many leaders are in this position personally, but they also need to appreciate that the people they are leading in their teams are also going through this process. And I think right now it's quite tough to expect people to be operating at their productive peak right now. I don't think many people are, unless you're an emergency services worker, when the yeah. adrenaline and the cortisol is pumping for survival, then Great. we do, we are sharp. We are so sharp, but we've been sent home and, and it's kind of like we're in a bubble. And I know we're all transitioning back into our places of work and will do over the next few months, but it's, it's a, a pretty tough place to be and a hard thing to understand why we can't be operating at our optimal right now. Yeah. The, the, the main issue that we've got to relearn I'm discovering with working with leaders is that we've got to relearn to become, I, I wrote after I did self-reflection on the seven CEOs session this afternoon, I wrote these words. I wrote, from now on, leadership needs to be a conscious imperative. Um, leaders are not conscious. Most people are not conscious. There are four levels of consciousness. So the first level is I'm the victim. Everything is happening to me. It's me, 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 me. The whole world is around me and oh, poor me and all of that. And that I'm the one who's the victim. So I allow the stress to take over. I allow it to go beyond zones of control and it, it uh, shuts my uh, switches on my amygdala and it pumps in all these ugly uh, chemicals into my body that can literally make me sick. Um, but because I'm unaware, I continue to, to allow it. Um, the second level is that it's about me and others. So there are other people around me. The third level of consciousness is that there are, there's, there's life outside of me and others. So I'm aware of the bigger picture of things that are starting to happen. And then the, the highest level of 
um, consciousness is that I am at one with all the above mentioned. And I can literally stand apart and look at it all and, and, and rest uh, in it. And to be able to deal with stress, it's very interesting how the brain can do it. You, you've got to get to the place of, I first got to feel it kinesthetically. So I've got to be conscious to feel it. Then the moment I pick it up, I've got to be able to engage it because an emotion is a, a language that the brain has. It uses that as a brain. So for instance, the word fear, and um, we can take, ask people to go and Google the 10 action signals of Tony Robbins from his book, Awaken the Giant, where he talks about different uh, emotions, but they got a language. So he says fear is an emotion that creates levels of concern, intense worry, anxiety, fright, and terror. But the message behind that emotion is, you, it might be telling you that what you're anticipating is something that's going to happen and you're not prepared for it. So the fear is a message that you're not prepared for it. And the way that you've got to do it is to pull it cognitively. You've got to pull it in, You've got to say to the executive part of your brain, whoa, whoa, whoa. You've got to say to the stress, shut up. Hold on, hold on, hold on. What are you doing to me? Hold on, let me just take. And breathing is critical. Nikki, breathing is one of the most powerful things that we can do to help change gears in our brains in terms of emotion. And we take a deep intentional breath and go, hold on a moment. Let me just look at this fear. Where do you come from? Uh, what are you doing? And I can lit literally, by being cognitive with my stress, it's been measured. I can change my stress into an emotion equal to that of joy and courage. So the moment mm. I've dealt with stress cognitively, in my, in my anatomy, in my neurochemistry, it takes on the emotion and the chemistry of that emotion of courage um, and joy. So it's in a way, awareness is the, is the key element of being able to control my life, being able to be aware that I'm in control. And we are, we are we're in control of our perceptions. We're in control of our dreams and we're in control of our actions. Bill, so you are really referring to the fact that we need to number one, uh, feel it, then acknowledge its existence, then label it, and yep. then take control of it. So in a way, you are in it, but you're also the observer. You take yourself one step out of the equation, and you're now looking back in going, who are you? What are you doing here? What have you come mm. to teach me? What have you come to tell me? Okay, I've, I've got you. I've got you now. How am I going to transmute that into something positive, which is taking the control and not being a victim of? Uh, and, and that is a self-awareness exercise. That really is. No, I, I do yeah. journaling. Uh, and sometimes I find at the no, moment when I get stuck, yeah. when I get stuck, literally to write something down going, I feel really shocking right now. I wonder what this is all about, that stream of consciousness thing. And eventually you, you find it. You find yeah. it. Um, but it does take honesty. And if we don't, as leaders, deal with our own stress, I say to parents, you know, your, your own anxiety is more infectious than the coronavirus to your children you right now. You better believe it. Absolutely. 
And it'll be exactly the same with a leader and a team, whether it's a CEO or whether it is a team leader or a manager. And it's not to say that that leader must not investigate and experience and feel their feelings, but it's what can I learn from my feelings and how can I grow from what I'm going through? So it is that fine art of listening, isn't it? Mm. And not listening and in the auditory sense. Yes, it's the listening in the feeling sense. And, and to, to add, what I've noticed in my own life, Nikki, is that um, I've noticed when I've stopped trying to control, so that point where I'm going, okay, I've heard who you are and I know who you are, to me, the, the picture that comes in my mind about controlling is to welcome the stress, to welcome it, and to say, I'm going to dance with you. So please take my hand and now I'm going to dance with you. And um, if it is a fast, if the stress is a fast dance, I'm going to slow it down and I'm going to say, I'm going to hold you and I'm not controlling you. I'm guiding you. So we, we are control freaks. We think that we've got to control everything. So the moment you put control in, you're adding to the stress. Whereas if I, if I um, have a mindset of welcoming it and embracing it, and saying, dance with me. So in your journaling, say, let me dance with this thought. So what if? And imagine that. And what if I had to slow it down? What if I could, what if, what if we could turn this dance into a lovely waltz instead of the, the, the rap? <laughs> oh, the tango. <laughs> oh, God, yes. Um, so, I, I, so, I, this, is, this is a really interesting thing for me because semantics, and the use of words are very, very important. Yeah, the brain what is very really particular. Very and very sensitive to the energy Absolutely. behind words. I, I always say, you know, children on the way to school, you have the news bulletin, uh, you know, going. And even little children who don't understand the words get the energy behind the words. Correct. And they get the negativity or the positivity. They don't have to understand the actual word. And we have to remember that our brains are equally as sensitive as that. And I love your analogy of dancing with your stress because it is a guide. And there's a lot of, uh, there are a lot of words at the moment being used about the fact that we are at war. Uh, you know, we are fighting. We are. Absolutely. And, in survival and mode. Survival and, mode. And, and yes, yes, we are. And there's some really serious stuff going on. But if we don't make friends with that stress, with the energy, with the emotion, we are going to do exactly what you're saying, is we will try and control it. And the one thing that I have learned in my personal leadership journey is that when we feel out of control, we can flip into over control so quickly and usually it doesn't have good consequences to step into being the learner at the feet of the teacher. Yeah. There is so much more power there. And in that way you invite flow and synchronicity and um, there's synergy that you often would never see if you were trying to box it control it and push it in a direction that you want it to go in. And I love that analogy of the dance because that's got a, a gentleness to it. Uh, that means we're leaning into it. We're not 
pushing it away. I think the thing is that right now we want to push all this horrible stuff away and get it out of our lives as quickly as we yeah, can. Disappear, make it go away. But the fact of the matter is it isn't going to in a hurry. And yeah. we are going to have to learn how to live with it because it's actually going to become part of the fabric of who we are moving forward. It's, it's going to leave a legacy for a very, very long time, maybe for our whole lifetime. So do you yeah. want to keep fighting for your whole lifetime against this thing? Or do you want to make friends with it and find out how to dance with it and learn from it? And I guess the bottom line for me is grow from it. Yeah. One of the, one of the biggest things that I, I see people um, missing the mark. So that we talk about stress and all of that stuff. But one of, the, one of the areas, or it's, it's two main areas, if we pay attention to these two things, we are going to be, we're going to be uh, magnificent at, um, at living, fully alive, fully free, fully me. The first thing is to understand um, our brain and to understand how it works and that emotions are a language and that there's energy in my brain, there's matter. Um, there's, there's movement, there's intelligence, and there's wisdom, and there's insight. If I can understand that and learn a little bit more about my brain, and then secondly, understand that my brain is inextricably uh, linked to my body. And the other area I've got to be paying attention to is my body. I've got to get my body into peak condition. And that doesn't mean I've got to become an Olympic athlete. It simply means I need to be fit, I need to have sufficient amount of water. I've got to have, and if we don't like water, then go for green tea and rooibos tea uh, with, with uh, honey in it. Stay away from sugar. Sugar is the worst thing for stress and worst thing for anything in the body. Um, enough sleep, enough exercise, and enough breathing and meditation. Those are the two areas that people lack the most when it comes to getting to understand my body. I hear you indicating that we really need to go back to the fundamentals and the basics. These are things we actually know we should be doing, but we don't do it. Is this COVID-19 crisis giving us the opportunity to revisit some of the things we've been ignoring, forgetting? Uh, and is this a moment where we could reset the dial for ourselves? It's an opportunity. So it's an opportunity for us, first of all, to learn ourselves, to learn about ourselves, to learn about our world, to learn about the people that are in the house that we are with, that we have bypassed for the past 15 years because we're so busy working, etc., etc. Now we're working in home and our spouses are watching what we actually do at work. And they're discovering that it's actually hard work and that it's focused work but we it's a it's an opportunity for us that we've got to grab hold of and it's it's lemon that we can turn into lemonade and and that's the choice so um if we look at genesis when it says you fruitful multiply replenish subdue and, and have dominion over the hebrew word for fruitful means i need to be productive not just being fruitful. The Hebrew word for multiply means that I need to double my talent in my lifetime. Story in the scripture where the, 
guy was given five two and one talents. They all doubled theirs except the, the one with the one. But what play, what the leveling uh, of the leveling of the of the playing field was that the master saw that they each had the capacity to double what they had in their lifetime. This is an amazing opportunity to double your learning experience, to fill your mind with not, I'm learning stuff about technology that I have never learned in 30 years. One of the very interesting uh, things about the brain when it is traumatized is that it is open to learning. It's actually open to learning at a much greater speed than it ordinarily would be if we're prepared to take the risk and take the advantage and take the gap uh, to be teachable and to be open to what is coming our way, not just the negative, but the potential and yeah. the positives and the opportunities and the possibilities because there are always opportunities and possibilities no matter how dire a situation is. Yeah. We were, we were created with creativity within us, abundance within us, love, joy, peace, happiness, self-control, inquisitiveness. All of that was already, it's already innate in us. We don't have to go and look for it, search for it, try and bubble it up somehow. It's already resident within us. And all we've got to do is acknowledge it and lovingly connect to it and enjoy the ride. In a way, switch many of those things on, which I think in everyday life, through the normal humdrum stress and pressure of busyness, often get switched off. We don't even realize that they've been switched off, that they're, they're not awake. And we need to give them a little bit of a wake-up call now and say, come, I need you to come to the party. Yeah. A friend of mine had a birthday and um, his children woke him up at 6.30 and then paraded him out into the garden where they'd made a fire. And they gave him his breakfast outside around the fire. And they had a fireside morning breakfast with their dad. And one of the children uh, collated all his favorite music um, and put it on a whatchamacallit and a thingamajig. And um, he's playing his whole, the music that he loves throughout the whole day. Uh, we can have picnics in our homes. We can have, uh, I drink my my uh, morning shake out of a out of a wine glass and celebrate life uh, instead of out of a plastic container. So you you change you change subtle small things and it becomes a moment of celebration, a moment of other than what you. It's a normality. I am using the word joy at the moment, creating a few moments of joy every now and then in the day, at least one moment of joy. And it doesn't have to be something that goes on for an hour. It can be 10 minutes of something Absolutely. that brings me joy. And what brings me joy and what brings you joy could be something totally different. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got to, you've got to, uh, it's the dance. It's how I dance with my life. How do I, um, how do I orchestrate? And it's in, in that that I will begin to learn and understand who I really am in my essence. Because my authority as a being is wrapped up in my identity. It's not wrapped up in my skills or my ability or my talent. Or, um, it's wrapped up in my essence of who I am. And my essence is that part of me which is in the absolute center of my identity other than a noun. 
So my essence is in that place where the, the Jewish philosopher, uh, Martin Bubler wrote, it's the I vow space where it's absolute silent. We don't even need to have a conversation. There's no name calling. There's no bitterness, anger, resentment, dumping, negativity, criticism, judgment in that space whatsoever. It's just a place of being. Hardly anyone goes there. Um, I doubt even if the 1% of gurus are very good at going there. But that's well, our go, hiding place. Yeah, <laughs> but going, going there means we have to be awake and we have to be aware and we have to be conscious. And Absolutely. that we are only that very in very, very small uh, increments. Yes. Yeah. So uh, you're reminding me of the, the mantra for the new world of work, which I've been talking about since 2008, when uh, my first book was published by Penguin, uh, Future Proof Your Child. And the mantra for the new world of work at that point was, who you are is going to be far more important than what you do or what you sell. Here you go. And that really was alluding to the fact that the world of work is going to change so dramatically that what you do and what you sell is going to change all the time, but you carry with you your essence, the who. Yeah. And that is completely transportable and infuses anything that you do. And if you yeah. get to know who you are, you can get to pick and choose work that resonates with the who so it's things you love to do things you're good at and things that the world is prepared to pay for right. and if you can find work in the sweet spot obviously that's the ideal place to be that doesn't mean you start there but it means you can journey closer and closer Towards to it. that right. place yeah. Yeah. and that would be uh, you know that resonates with the kind of work that you're doing uh, with coaching leaders at the highest level in in um, commerce and in government etc and all of us uh, need um, cheerleaders and coaches from time to time because we are often too close to ourselves to yeah. be able to see the wood for the trees and i have to say that I have always used coaches and counselors over time, but not as often as since my husband's death. Yeah. And I, oh, well done on I that. knew that to get, to get through and grow from the trauma, I needed to have somebody neutral to talk to who was not my mother, who was not my father, who was not my, my son, who was not my best friend, because all of those people actually have a vested interest in an outcome, a very specific outcome that serves them, not just you. Correct. And I You've realized the value the of, on the head. of having somebody neutral who I could really be vulnerable with and explore these spaces that, you know, as much as you might have great relationships with amazing people, I just think that we underestimate the fact that everyone has an agenda because of the me, me, me that you were talking about and the me and others. And uh, to create a neutral space for you at this time during COVID-19, whether you're leading a team or leading a family, is so important in order to work yourself out and to learn how to dance with yourself yeah. because there's a whole nother language uh, that comes out in a session like that, where you are not expected to perform. You're expected to drill down Absolutely. and get underneath 
the skin of what's going on in your life and what you're having to deal with. And I think that that is something that I keep saying to people, use this time now to embrace what comes up for you, whether it is your shadow side and your fears and your concerns, or whether it is a relationship issue, because I think right now, if there are any issues in your relationships, they'll be showing, they'll be showing their ugly heads, especially if no, you're living full time with somebody. The <laughs> they will be the magnifying glass. <laughs> yeah. And, and this is an opportunity to, to go there and to, to visit those places and those relationships and see maybe this is an opportunity to strengthen and heal. Maybe it's an opportunity to walk away. We don't know. Um, you no. know, for everybody, it's going to be something different. But once again, it's going back to the analogy of embracing. Well, Bill, we, we need to start wrapping up, I think, because we've, uh, we've, we've chatted for a good 40 minutes or so. Uh, what else would you like to share in terms of leaving our listeners with some, some advice for mm. self-mastery and self-leadership and self-governance over this time? How do we take that energy of ours and give it a really good shake and give it some direction? I would, I would suggest, um, so from, from the physical perspective, I'm encouraging all executives and managers and people that I'm coaching to um, drink lots of water, lots of fluid, exercise, sleep, um, meditation, breathing, include fulvic acid. Fulvic acid is an amazing um, chemical that strengthens the intellectual and the wall of the cell. Um, and probiotics. So the moment you have gut and brain inflammation sorted out, arthritis will disappear and all sorts of other sicknesses, etc., will disappear. So that, that's a critical element. Vitamin C is also a criti critical element. Get into the sun and have a good old suntan. And if you want medium rare, it's 15 minutes aside and then get back into the shadows. <laughs> <laughs> as quick as possible, but yeah, be productive. Just uh, discover your values, discover your you. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm working on a course uh, called uh, "Becoming Fully Me, Fully Alive, uh, Fully Aware." And um, there we're going to look at how how do you discover your values? How do you discover who you are? Um, but, but use the opportunity to get in touch with you and get in touch with um, your destiny. So really seeing where we are right now as being on our way, not in our way. Yeah, no, look, we're going to go beyond coronavirus. These comes in cycle. They, they come in cycles of 280 years. Now, the reality is we don't live 280 years, but the cycle has now arrived. And here we are, but we will live beyond it and we will be creative and we will conquer it. And it is simply just a virus. It's simply a virus. Other people turn it into this. It's a war. It's not. It's simply a virus. And we've got billions of viruses in our body that our body is learning to. Our cells are communicating with each other how to fight the stuff. And we will overcome. People are overcoming coronavirus. They are being healed for goodness sake so there is okay. life after corona <laughs> after corona <laughs> and during um, corona okay well bill thank you so much i think uh, the main message that i'm walking away from this conversation with today is that we need to learn to dance both with the virus 
and what the virus has come to teach us about yeah, don't ourselves. Touch, don't touch the virus. <laughs> <laughs> yes, don't touch it's the not, virus. <laughs> it's a rock and roll, it's, that one. It's, it's me metaphorical. Um, yes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, just, just uh, get it, use this as an opportunity to get in touch with who you are. It's a, an open window, it's an open door, and we very rarely get the opportunity to slow down and stop for long enough to actually see ourselves differently. And this is going to give us that opportunity. Bill, where can people contact you if uh, they would like to connect? If they'd like to connect with me, they can connect at inspired, I-N-S-P-I-R-E-D um, at drbillprice.com. All small caps, inspired at drbillprice.com. Bill, thank you so much. On that note, I'm going to quote you that leadership, both personal and professional, needs to be a conscious imperative at this time. So to our listeners, please send through your comments, questions, and topic suggestions to information at nickybush.com. And don't forget to share the Win at Work and Life podcast with your friends and colleagues to empower them to win at work and life too. And don't forget to visit nickybush.com where you can download my Keep Your Business Running white paper that is full of information, advice, and some answers for some of the challenges that we're facing right now.